Hi, this is Paul Kelly from Snohomish, Washington, here to tell you welcome to the Motorcycle and Misfits podcast from the Recycle Garage in balmy Santa Cruz. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, presented to you by the Recycle Garage. It is uh, Sunday today. It's, <laughs> where, where are we from, It's not? sunny. We're in Santa Cruz. That's right. That's right. What uh, state? Somewhat of a full house tonight. Who do we have here today, Liza? Why don't you tell us, Knock? Well, you got Liza. Hey! You got Knock here. <laughs> That's me! Zach? <laughs> I am Zach. Josh! Lucas. This is Lucas. Mike. <laughs> and Bagel. Justin. All right. And we got two dogs in the house tonight, so yeah. it might get a little unruly. Bosley and Buster. <laughs> All right, so uh, what did we do this weekend? Well, some of us went dirt biking. All right, I know you've heard enough about our dirt biking. There was no epic crashes or anything. You so. almost lost your shit, I heard. I had a come-to-Jesus moment. Cool. <laughs> yes, I did. That means you I went did. dirt biking. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, but let's talk about what we did today. There was a squeak, a leak, and some car work. That's one, one person, too. No, no. No? I have a squeak in the XR350 that is driving me bonkers when you bounce up and down. It's eater, eater, Yes, go ahead, laugh. Are you um, really going to notice that while you're dirt riding, though? It's uh, it's a sign of something worn out yep. that shouldn't be. Yep. And I have gotten into the whole uh, rear suspension linkage and greased everything twice now. And it's still squeaking. And it's probably something like the... A side stand spring or something, you know, like you something sure? rubbing. I swear to God, it's a linkage. I swear are to God, it's a linkage. Are you sure it's not just like the piston itself? There's like too much friction going on. No, there? no, it's only no, no, no. when the bike is off. When you're actually moving and compressing the suspension, yeah, it bounces up and down. It's a dried out gasket. <laughs> Probably dried out or worn bearing somewhere. It or... Sounds like my headlight. Where I hear the beep and I rewired the whole <laughs> thing like three times, <laughs> and I still can't find this <laughs> fucking sound. Liza <laughs> goes squeak, squeak, and yours goes me. <laughs> <laughs> And Douglas was in here working on his uh, DRZ400 carburetor, and he brought the bike inside to be alone. I noticed that's the first sign that somebody's having a hard time. They need <laughs> I've to seen that segregate <laughs> themselves from everyone else. And I, as I came in, he was getting more and more like frustrated and disheveled look on he was his kind face. of getting angsty and i and he at one point his baseball <laughs> yeah. hat was backwards and that's it i really have to think about this, <laughs> this look. makes me aerodynamic when i fix my bike but <laughs> he just cannot get his jetting right it's something is going on with the bogging it's one of those things once you start getting into make it work better and you just keep making it worse and it just keeps no um, i thought he fixed it last week he said it was the o-ring no, no I, what's the problem does what? it lose power like uh, way through the he throttle? says when he um when he blips the throttle on the low end just blip 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 and blip. then it kicks in on the high end yeah it, no it bogs thing. it it bogs it out i think it's you know the, what? the shot from the accelerator pump not quite right because that's what's wrong with mine mm. and i have not been able to Hmm. figure it out really do the doctor thing when you're like just stop doing it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Problem yeah i know oh well, my, your kidneys hurt just stop using them stop the, using uh, <laughs> my yamaha did the same thing and uh i i went through everything i pulled the carbs apart and and it would be like i would be in first gear and it would go up you know like two or three thousand rpms and, and it would feel like it was going to die and then it would kick in on the high end so i mm. know that there's like two jets you know, first and a second. Yeah, your pilot jet's fucked up. That's well, no, that's not what it was. So I thought it was all oh. that stuff. I thought it was mechanical, but what it really turned out to be was a sensor 
uh, by the battery, a throttle control sensor. Right. Oh, your uh, GPS? Mm-hmm. Well, sensor. that's yeah. where I think yeah. Sage was in here with his, what is his bike? It's a ZX6R Frankenbike. Frankenbike. It's a ZX6R <laughs> that's naked, that's an 03 frame with like an 06 engine or something. We've like talked about this before. He, it's a kid who bought a bike that looked really cool. It was an X race bike, which means it was a crashed, re- resurrected, in Beat pieces bike, bike yeah. that he paid too much for that is just constantly having problems. Wait, how much did you pay it, for it? I don't know. I don't um, want to know, dude. It'll make me feel bad. <laughs> did he beat me out on it? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. God. Yeah, at um, least your shit runs, wait, Did dude. it say custom when he bought it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's, it's very sure. custom. Very it's custom. It's personalized. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so Lucas is thinking maybe his TPS. I don't know. I gave him seafoam and sent him there, home. There's no TPS in a bike with a carb, though. Oh, sure well. There is? Sure. I didn't see one. Doug's bike has a TPS. Yeah, but like the only thing connected to his throttle was the cable, and that just went straight to the carbs. Yeah, but there are bikes with TPS. FCR, FCR carbs have that part, but I don't think it really does anything yeah, depending on the app, the bike it's actually. I, I checked and there's My no bike TPS. has a TPS sensor. It's got carbs. Uh, well, his bike had no TPS. I checked. No. So... Could it be that the engine's expecting so it? That could it be that the <laughs> that. If, if it's a newer engine? Could Point it be is, that, not yeah, really. We don't know. Well, hang on a second. If, oh, if it's a newer engine, um, could it be that the engine is set up for a TPS, but the bike doesn't have it? That wasn't his problem at all. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it wouldn't matter though. The bike's engine's run on its own system. Yeah. The yeah. carb that's on the motor that's in there now is for that. Yeah. 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 It's meant for that. Or could it be he doesn't ride it enough and things are getting clogged? What? Could be that. Well, <laughs> I, I rode it. Like Liza was like, "Lucas, come ride his bike." So I went and rode it, and uh, pretty sure it's just the pilot jets are clogged. Like he just needs to clean his carbs because uh, it kind of was weird. It sort of bogged, but not like any bogging I've seen before. Like it would accelerate, but only in pulses. So it'd be like, and then like as soon Wait, as you got do that again. The throttle bodies could also be out of sync. That's true too, but I figured it was just his pilot jet was clogged because as soon as you got to 7K, I mean, that thing took off. And that's kind of what my bike did. Yeah, and and you could turn the throttle and that would lurch, dude. I thought it was going to power wheelie. You know, it's (laughs) it felt great above 7K, but like below that, it had that weird kind of like it just didn't really want to start revving. So I think you would get gas like this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured it was his pilot jets there's something wrong with, because as soon as it switched over the main jets, it, it pulled, you know? No. Sounds so. like my uh, bandit. Yeah. Um, so, and Mike, you had something quite alarming today. Yeah, it was... Uh, it, it was what what uh, bike did you bring in today? My uh, Yamaha V-Star 650. It was, um, it was definitely an end-of-world situation. So, it, it, what did you have? Well, there's an oil leak on the bike. Yeah, it's pretty bad oil. Yeah, it's meltdown status. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about, yeah, I'm going to disassemble the entire fucking thing and find, the, <laughs> find this O-ring. So this is uh, today is when I discovered that Mike is terribly OCD. <laughs> Two drops of oil fell on the ground, and he was flipping out. Hey, you know, that could mean there's like a micro crack that can only get bigger, too, with the vibration. Well, yes, you know, yeah. he didn't know, is it safe <clears throat> Is it safe to ride? Well, I'm sure um, it's safe as long as you check the oil level. You don't want to escalate Now, it. meanwhile, he's parked next to Buck on her, what, 20, 30-year-old Harley. <laughs> it's probably older than that. It's like a panhead or something, right? Right. And, and I said, hey, Buck, take a look at this leak. Isn't this horrible? And she's like... <laughs> 
What are you talking about? What well, doesn't? Is, hey, that's how she rides a what Harley. Leak? It leaks if it's working. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I tell you why is because I've always owned like just decent vehicles, and I've only owned one brand new vehicle. And to me, or two now, but to me, like the the just the ability to get in and not worry about anything, get where I have to go and get out, and not have to think about my car for the amount of money I pay for it or consistently pay for it is yeah, that's the same big. thing with my bike. It's like I don't really want to. Uh, I don't want to think about it. I just want to ride it, and if I do something, I want to fix it. I want it to work perfect. Totally, and that's it. it. And, yeah, you know, and that's the problem. The same thing I was having with you saying about the carbs of my V Star. I was so pissed. I pulled the thing apart a couple times before I met you guys. Mm-hmm. So glad you guys are here because you'd have told me not to do what I did. <laughs> so, but now you yeah. come here and we just make yeah. fun of you. Yeah, but yeah. you don't have to do all the yeah. unnecessary work. Yeah, I two drops of oil on the ground to me is like it's like drooling and going to the doctor to be checked out. It's like what it just yeah. it happens sometimes. I mean, that's what metric cruisers do when they come of age. To, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hoping it, it'll. I, if I just don't change the oil, it'll it'll clog up the the the, the problem. Throw some dirt on it. Yeah, throw some sand on it and let it. What you, know. you want to strive for is that you get a leak that's not um, rapid enough that you are going to lose your oil very fast, but it's rapid enough that after about six months you've actually changed your oil. Mm-hmm. So you <laughs> never have to do a oil in there. There you go. Isn't that Is called it? a KLR? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, but how do you know that like six months down the line he's not going to just crack his block and then it's just going to start dumping oil? You know, because you ignored like a micro crack and the vibrations only made. So worse. assuming you have a micro well, crack in your case, <laughs> right? Let's just assume that. Take this you, one, Justin. <laughs> what do you do about it? JB Weld. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> because, oh, you, you laugh. I, I have JB Weld stories. Some chewing gum on it. Yeah. So, because JB Weld's so good about that long term repair. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. it actually is, actually. It, it works you. long enough for you to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a horrible way to fix it, but it works. And is there any difference between putting it on a micro crack and putting it on a visible crack? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I mean, like to find a micro crack, wouldn't you have to drain all the oil out and then press, pressurize it with, you know, pressurize the engine? No, we're not going to play this game. No, no, like, no. no that is not what's wrong with your bike. You need to disassemble Lucas, it. Okay, it. I'd like to point out that Lucas was helping Sage with his bike, yeah. and and Sage was thinking that he needs to check his clutch. And Lucas, I overhear him saying, "Dude, you may have to drop the whole engine to to check the clutch." And it I'm depends. like. Old what sport the hell bikes, are you, you have to do saying, that. Lucas? Old sport bikes, you have to strip everything off. Is oh. right there. You can see all the there's bolts. The you do not have to drop the engine. I was, I was thinking of the train saying that Lucas is incompetent because he put my rear brakes on my SV. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm good at some stuff, but <laughs> they're rear brakes. What are you worried saying. about? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know some stuff, but I tend to overestimate my abilities, I guess. Why are you worried about your rear brakes? I mean, like, you use them? <laughs> it's a cruiser, Justin. Of no, course no. he No, it was on his SV. SV. It was on his oh. SV. Yeah. They were like that. I heard the words SV. Okay. <laughs> I actually had to ride a, a Harley from Tracy to San Luis and back, and that was an interesting experience for a guy right. who doesn't do cruisers. How many breakdowns did you have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's actually it's a decent couch. Really? As long go. as you didn't have to turn, and it, uh, there's no turns on that, it's like yeah. five, right? As long as you have to turn, it was a great couch. Yeah. I probably could have like taken a nap and read a book. As long <laughs> as you don't care about having 80 horsepower and a 900 pound bike, it's a good bike. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you're laughing now. I'm not even joking. <laughs> no, I dropped it in the in the garage, pulling it out, and Ooh. had to get a jack out to get the sucker back up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, Zach, you got some stuff done today. What'd you do? Uh, more the. 900 
CB900 stuff. Uh, did man. you get welding done today? I did actually get welding done today. Yay. Still mounting that seat. Yes. Still in the process. About the time that I was going to go weld the brackets on was time to go test ride. Right. So, I, you know, I make, f- I'll, on the one hand, make fun of you how long it takes to do this. But whenever you're doing modification and customization, you do take your time. I mean, especially if you want to get things right and have everything even, don't rush that shit. Spend the time doing and, it And right. have fun. You're yeah. learning how to do a lot of this stuff. And then Jonathan came and helped you by um, power washing and cleaning the front yeah. end and uh, rebuilding the front calipers. Front calipers. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they're working because I didn't check on it yet. But they work all right. They work um, all right. They got a nice, good... It's good for that old of a system. They can't I mean. work any yeah. worse, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> they they've were, got steel lines, s- and they squish a little bit, but that's just the nature of those older brakes. Yeah, I mean, totally. I saw those pistons, and they were so rusty. Like, I hope yeah. he did a really he, good job. He, that should make it work good. better. Yeah, like, there's no way to work <laughs> worse than it did before. You no, know? It's, uh, he did a pretty bang-up job on cleaning them up and getting yeah. them all back together, and that's all. it's all bled and squared away, and it stops the bike, so. Yeah. So, speaking of Test Ride Zach, yes. I had to do a three-bike test ride today. We're going to do a little comparison. So, what bikes did you ride? Well, mm-hmm. I, 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 I took a ride on Josh's DRZ400. All right. I took a ride on Mason's YZF436. Is that what it is? It's not a, is it a YZF? I thought it was a YZ. Something like that. Yeah, like the, the F stands for four. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> so it was sure, just a YZ. Sure. Yeah, um, and then I took a quarter ride on Knox. Uh, <laughs> what I don't XR six fifty R. So yeah. this was the supermoto comparison. Have you ridden a supermoto before? Yes, I rode Doug's DRZ four hundred. Okay, a couple months ago. So, did you wheelie Knox bike? No, I wheelied Mason's though. Oh. <laughs> so you didn't test the yacht. So this was a four hundred, a four twenty six, and a six fifty. Yes. So how did they compare? Um, I there there's a couple different ways that I was thinking about it. Uh, they're all felt kind of. Dang- I mean, they're all supermotos. So the a thump the thumper was very different than my V twin. Let's start with um, how tall are you? Uh, six one. Did any of the bikes feel more comfortable to you? Did they fit you better? They all fit me right, perfectly. Okay. Really? Yeah. Cool. And these are all singles, yes? Thumpers. Yes. Yep. So did they all feel similar? Yeah. The engine did the engine respond similarly? Um in terms of like the the the, the actual like Response, yeah, but it was really it was different in each one. Which one was the most shit yo pants? Masons. Really? Are you shit, dude? Because I've rode both Masons and Knox bike, and Knox bike definitely is more shit your pants, dude. Well, I went. Well, I got Knox bike as far as the cul de sac before uh, it just started. I would put. I would keep, have the clutch in, put it in first, and it would die. Oh shit! And so I couldn't. I, I didn't want to like make it halfway down Westcliff and then have it <laughs> die and have to pull over and we'll kick it, it for back. ten minutes. Because I rode his bike and that thing will power wheelie, dude. That thing is is crazy. It yeah. weighs nothing and it's like if you turn that throttle, it's just like ugh. You yeah. know, it's like getting shoved in the back. Yeah, I didn't make it. To, I didn't make it to Delaware on that. If I did, I probably would have power wheelied it. Yeah. So did you get enough of a ride on his bike to say which one did you like the least? Um, Probably mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, considering I was what? like in full gear and leathers and sweating trying to kickstart it, that was not yeah. super pleasant. Was but, his bike the jankiest? Um, yep. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, mm. No, I mean I like I like them all. They're all really different. Um, like the DRZ was super smooth. 
Mm-hmm. Like the power delivery was pretty smooth. I mean, definitely jer- jumpier than mine because of the weight. Um, but like the steering was really smooth and the, the feel was really smooth. So did, did this make you want a Motard? Yeah, it did. Did? Yeah. And what? Welcome to Tard Church. <laughs> That's what it is. We're what, converting. Which which one? If you had to choose one of those, do you think you would have? Um, well. I would probably choose the DRZ at the moment because oh, Josh is smiling over that one. <laughs> well, because bike, man. So, because it's the cheapest. Uh, it's accessible. Because I would kill myself less quickly on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's Josh, like, you're not that's smiling the opposite. now. Yeah, right, man. Dude, that's I, cr- I crashed that bike before it even made it into my garage. awesome. dude, you don't want a, a supermoto because you're trying to be conservative. You want a supermoto because you're trying to be fucking reckless. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not because you want well, to be. It's no, what happens. The, really <laughs> the, the other the other thing is, is is just that like that particular seating position and like ride feel is like exactly what i want yeah like that that that's wide it, it feels right the wide bar so the part where the i asked which one on felt tank. the most comfortable and fit you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah you said they're all the same yeah, they all fit exactly like I wanted. What about the, what about the, what about the clutch, though? I mean, because it's got to be way different than your um, than uh, your bike. Because I know on yours, it's like probably almost all the way out no. before it catches. Mm-mm. It's like well, that, you can adjust that. Yeah, you can adjust that. You adjust it to where yeah. you like it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say like the general of thumb is the sportier it is, like the shallower the clutch engagement and disengagement yeah. range. Yeah. Well, I mean. I guess like in like the summer it'd be like the DRZ felt the smoothest. Mason's bike felt like I was riding a rocket made of explosions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and flying like, blind on a rocket cycle. I think that's exactly what makes astronauts feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and, and the the weird thing is like the DRZ like it was like woo, like the acceleration came on. With it's Mason's gear, it was it's more like for wheelies. So. Well, with, with Mason's it was more like woo, 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 like every 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 sh- like. <clears throat> Every time that the cylinder fired, like I felt it like jerk yeah. forward more. Yeah, like it felt like more like punchy, more propulsive. Huh. Yeah. yeah, that's at low RPM though, right? I mean, in g- just in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. And Knox, I, I didn't really ride enough. It rode smooth. I think it rode smoother than the other two did. Like it was easier just to kind of cruise a little yeah. bit on it. I, I don't you know, can, like man. lump around on that pretty easily. I don't, dude. I think your bike is a pretty twitchy throttle. It's pretty twitchy. That car, yeah. I mean, it's the carburetion. That, on, it's not that and, fantastic. So, and why, well, it's twitchy in a good way. Like twitchy, like if you crack it open, your front wheel will start. Yeah. Why yeah. <laughs> well, was? Yeah, I was having issues starting it because the throttle. There's a lot of distance before it actually engages, and mm-hmm. that's that's the problem. Well, knock. I'll let you get your bike running right, and we'll do a do. Oh, it's running right. <laughs> it's running right. You got to ride it the way I ride it. That's it just what takes it is. the yeah. secret sauce. Yeah. Sounds like your bike is the Harley of the group. It probably is pretty Harley. <laughs> no, it, it burns enough oil. It just doesn't work for nobody but you, man. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Make that shit work for me. So I wanted to read some catch up on li- listener emails. Um, the first one I have is from Scott in Long Island. What's, What's up, Scott? Scott from Long Island? And uh, let's he's the see. guy who wrote the note in crayon, right? Where's he from? So the let's see. Scott says, "Hey, what's up? It's uh, 21 degrees and fucking cold in Long Island. <laughs> I'm so bored. I figured I'd pick a brain or two." Um, so he says, "So here goes. I would like to shave the front fender mounts off of my fork tubes. This is on a CB 550." 
So you know how you have the fork tubes, and then, yeah, you got those little nubs that stick out for the yeah. thread threads. Yes. So we'd like to shave them off, and uh, he says, "Liza, why?" He knows I'd say why. why yeah, I, I'm saying why too. <laughs> says because uh, I don't run a fender and will not run the fender, so the tabs are ugly like warts that need to be removed. Well, I hope you wear full face, so you don't start Plus, eating rocks. It, it goes with the hot rod <laughs> thing. Um, he says he has the tools to do it and can borrow the other tools that he needs. Um, he also says he's going to be doing a few other things to the bike, like installing a Badlands Illuminator 3 for better visibility. Damn you, Liza! It's all your fault. Uh, he's going to move his mirrors from the top position because they look like fugly-ass ears and it's bothering him. Uh, he's going to rewrap the pipes and add on new tips. Um, just the tips. <laughs> just the tips. He had, ha, ha. He had a set. Of, he had a set on his <laughs> on his pipes, but hit a big ass bump going way too fucking fast and lost one of them. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Where's he from in Long Island? Just Long Island. Oh, that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's um, Long Island, man. He's from Suffolk. Addresses. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> oh, you're from the other place, right? I'm from the other place. The other in, place. In response to uh, in response to last week's email about Jesse in Minnesota, he said he's fucking nuts, fucking hardcore. <laughs> anyway, um, he's uh, gonna go poke around some salvage yards, and you know. See if he can find any parts for this. So, should he take off his uh, front fender mounts, shaving them off? Um, Put your fender on. No. <laughs> Not your lights. If you, if, you, if, you, if you don't want a rooster tail down the front of your face... It's nice to have those fender guards. Yeah, but yes. not. Well, well, it looks okay. cool. I, I th- That's uh, the most know, important thing. If it's just a summer bike, <laughs> maybe. You He's know. committed to it. And if you are going to do that, because your fork tubes are aluminum, mm-hmm. and so you're going to have to grind them down. And, and to get it to where it's not, you don't have any flat spots, you don't go too deep, is pretty hard. But if you do it in layers, take it down, and then it's you're going to have to get it really smooth, sand it, and then you're going to have to polish it to make it go away. It's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of work. It's, yeah. It's a lot of work, yeah. Good it's easier to so just cold put a well, here's, here's the thing with <laughs> aluminum is like the moment you scratch it, it oxidizes. It instantly produces yep. an oxide layer. So you're going to spend some time and you're going to polish this thing. That's great. It's going to be shiny, but you got to stay on top of it and try to, to keep it shiny, you know? So, yeah, but another, I mean, like, you know, do what you got to do, but... Yeah, another just, no. Another possibility, too, is to use uh, Gibbs penetrating oil to, to coat it. Yeah, that'll yeah help or keep put it a little, oxidizing. yeah. So, we also have an email from Patrick. Zach, do you have that one to read? Uh, What's the subject line? Um, (laughs) Comments on Women in Motorcycling, episode 66. Yes. What did Patrick have to say? Chicks on bikes, dude. Uh... Wow. Chicks and bikes are cool. You were prepared. I was I was prepared. <laughs> Milady. Uh, <laughs> Tipping intensifies. Hello, Misfits. I've added motorcycles and misfits to my podcast rotation and just listened to episode 66, Buttworthy, the all-women episode, and wanted to send a bit of info your way. For context, I'm a late 20s man, only been riding for about a year. For what it's worth, a close friend of mine is an early, mid-20s woman who's been riding for a little less than that. Um, I also wanted to let you know about a... Uh, Workstat Motorcycles up here in San Francisco 
which is a woman-founded, owned, and run motorcycle repair shop. The yeah, owner, it's pretty badass. It's pretty cool. cool. Jen from Workstat, she mm-hmm. owns it. The owner, who's a mechanic, by the way, has also run a course at Piston and Chain, local community garage. One of the main contributors there is Erica, specifically for women. As I heard about it later, she was frustrated with women being taken advantage of when they bought when they brought mm-hmm. bikes in for service, so started offering the course so they could do some repairs themselves, as well as not feel intimidated when talking with mechanics. Cool. I did my MSF up here in San Francisco last March, and, and my class was nearly half women. The only broad difference I noticed was that if anybody chose, if anybody chose <laughs> to learn on a scooter, it would be a woman. There were a couple who felt very strongly that they were there to learn motorcycling, and there's no way you could have gotten them on scooters, and they did perfectly well. Uh, I also feel like I had to share. Um, he, he shares his first bikes, uh, 2000 Suzuki GS500. Um, Great bike to start says he on. absolutely loves it. He's six one and can get perfectly comfortable on it. It's been reliable, well behaved, great in traffic out in the hills and on the freeway. Um, his friend, he said, his friend, um, uh, he mentioned, is considerably shorter and has also learned that bike. He's learned it out to even shorter, a even shorter woman coworker, whom it still fit well. Um, and when his friend got on and got her own first bike, it was a 1991 Suzuki GSS GSF 400 Bandit. Oh wow, nice! He said the bike fits like a glove, and he's horribly disappointed that his knees get mashed into the frame because it's really fun to rip around on. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I'll keep on listening, and if you list opening hours somewhere, I might ride down and see what you're up to someday soonish. Is that a threat, Patrick? <laughs> no, sounds like a, sounds we're, like a threat we're to open me. on eleven until indefinitely on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Right? Thanks for the uh, email, Patrick. That was cool. Yeah, Patrick. Appreciate it. Rubber side down, you. <laughs> I got another email from Roland, our buddy Roland. He's one of uh, our earliest emailers. Roland. So was he talking about me again? Sadly, no, Lucas. <laughs> I know. He's one of your biggest fans. Know, Lucas right? is lonely. Someone send him uh, some hate wheel. Uh. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Nobody's calling me a douchebag anymore. You need to justify my existence. <laughs> we do. Um, so Roland was responding to Megan, who was saying she wants to sell her XR200. And she said she wanted to get something like a CR82 stroke. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I read that one, yeah. So his response is, tell Megan to avoid the CR80. It's a full-on race bike and good for little else. It's got zero low-end power. It has five to seven horsepower until 8,000 RPM, then 22 right then. Wow. That's kind of awesome, actually. That, dude, that is the uh-uh. I want one of those. Said, also, also, it holds about 35 minutes of fuel. You really can't ride it anywhere since it won't hold any gas. Mm-hmm. It's high maintenance, new piston and rings at 15 hours runtime. Nope. Holy and shit. And that's if you take it easy. Yeah. Wow. Push it to 20. Ha ha ha. Call me and I will tell you who repairs cylinders. You will get really good at working on motors though. So no, <laughs> fuck it. Uh, he said, fi- fix the suspension on the XR200. <laughs> um, he also said that the KX100 is better. A big bore 8085 is semi okay, but still no low end power. Maybe a custom big bore CR85, custom ported for trail riding. Even a CR125 is shit. Uh, the only possible exception is the YZ125 from uh, 96 to 2001. I have one. They, he said they <laughs> sort of almost had low end power. <laughs> yeah. But the perfect bike for her, according to Roland, is the Kawasaki KDX 175 or 200. These bikes are awesome for 
anyone. And he says, honest, really been there. Love you guys. That's why I'm writing this. <laughs> All right. Hey. Thanks, Roland. Appreciate nice. it. Thanks Roland. for the heads up. Yeah. Yeah, that was sweet. Thank Megan, you. Megan ought to appreciate the heads up, too. Yeah. Hey, I know there's like 12-year-old children that change those top ends on those 80s, though. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, still, even if they can do it, do you really want to do it, though? Yeah. Like, I'd be like, fuck that. Yeah. It's perfect, <laughs> for, me. perfect for a 12-year-old. Keep them busy. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep them out of trouble. Exactly. Than video games. So, want to smoke some weed? No, nah, I'm busy rebuilding my engine. <laughs> guess, guess what time it is, y'all. Oh, shit. Oh. It's time for a new game. Oh, oh wow. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Where's the peanut? This game is called Feel Her Up. Oh, we're Watch actually doing objection. this. We're going to play she? Feel Her Up. Oh my God. We're actually doing this. <laughs> Wait, there's no girl. So oh, no. let me uh, grab something real quick. The blindfold. Now, I know people hate it when I spring a surprise game on them. So to be totally fair, I've written everyone's name down on a piece of paper here in the helmet. And knock, why don't you pull a name out, please? Don't look. Just pull uh, a name out. God damn it. All right. Whose name did you get? It's fucking me. Oh. <laughs> all me, aren't they? They're all fucking yeah. me, I bet. No. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, 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 no. Bullshit. No. What are you talking about? What's this one say? Knock. Knock. No, knock. <laughs> knock. knock. Wow, what did that happen? <laughs> I knew it. Uh, you're so full of shit. Why is it? You should have me do it. He would have right. figured it out. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So I'm going to pause this right now so we can set up for this game. This is going to take a little more space than we're used to. All so. right. Okay, we're back. So here's where we are. We have now have got... <laughs> Knock has been blindfolded. I'm on my way to Guantanamo right now. Okay. So. Okay, now, we've got Knock blindfolded, and he's got helmet yep. bags over his head. He I'm looks like the be, elephant uh, man. I'm about to be waterboarded. He told me he's an obvious Call the police. And uh, Mike is going to be following him with a mic. So, Knock, you're going to be led across the garage, yeah, and you're going to feel the bike, and you need to, by feel only, you're going to feel her up and Is see if you can guess oh, that's a what, <laughs> hold on, guess what model of bike you are feeling. All right, Knock is approaching the bike. Okay. And Is that he's it? Is there? touching the front wheel right now, feeling the fender. Okay, that's that's my dick. That's my dick. Oh, oh. oh these are cast wheels. Mm-hmm. Metal frame or metal uh, round headlight. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, this is a uh, two uh, two uh, gauges. Boobies. Boobies. Correct. <laughs> All right. Mirror. Mike, is this your bike? Yeah. That's Mike's bike, isn't it? No, 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 it isn't. no. no Okay. And and he still needed to say the model. <coughs> Okay. He's feeling the levers right now, feeling the okay, tank. Okay, it is definitely a cruiser. What makes you think? Uh, that? And that's a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> On the seat, of course. That's the uh, special dildo model. <laughs> this is uh, oh, this is uh, this is uh, Zach's bike. No. What model bike do you think you're touching? It's, uh... And how? What are you feeling? Okay. Well, I'm feeling the grips right now. Okay. What are you and feeling? I'm feeling the seat. I'm feeling the rear fender. Yeah. And another dildo. <laughs> <laughs> There's some photos of me just touching the dildo right now. Yes. Yes, there are. There might be a video, too. <laughs> okay. Well, it's definitely a cruiser. I can't tell what uh, brand it is, obviously. I'm looking for a tank what, what, edge. It's what gives the giveaway that it's a cruiser. Wait, the handlebars. 
ride. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely. It's I'm feeling the cylinders. Right. I got feel cooling fins. Okay, is this Zach? Is Zach? Is this your bike? You haven't said a model of a bike yet. It's a Harley. Is it a Harley? This is not no. a Harley. Okay. <laughs> Found another dildo. God, there's so many dicks. This is a 1996 dildo glide. It's a 96 dildo glide. Uh, right. Nakas trying out the controls yeah. again. Look at the gauges. I, uh, I am I'm kind of stuffed. I'm trying to feel. I'm looking for badges. I can't find any badges that stick out. Hmm. See two of the horns here. Uh, Zach, yours is a, is a V something five hundred, right? What was what was the bike that you had, Zach? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're waiting for you to tell us the model. Well, I'm trying. I don't try. It, I'm thinking it's Zach's bike, but I don't know the name of his bike. You don't know what kind of bike Zach has. Well, I don't know the brand. It's a Honda, but I don't know. It's okay, it's, it's a Honda. Uh huh. It's a Honda. Um, it's a cruiser. It's, uh, it's it's not a shadow. It's a. Uh, it's a 500, right? Zach's 500 something. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna say we're going to give this to you. I'll give it. To you're you. reaching now. The name is Shadow. Shadow. It is a yes. Shadow 500. Yes. Shadow. Yay! Right. It's it's dildos. It's made of dildos. All right. <laughs> now get your hands off her. I know. <laughs> All right. Good job. All right. Let's. Oh, I, I like, uh, for some reason, I thought the uh, gauges were higher. <laughs> No. It's crazy. All right, let's get that. Right <laughs> yeah, clearly, you did. <laughs> and knock. We got good pictures of you feeling her up. Sweet. <laughs> That's not the first time I had a dildo in my hand. I'm just saying. I live in fucking modern times, man. I'm wondering why you couldn't tell what model bike it is, but you knew when you're holding a dildo. Well, of course. <laughs> but did he know what model dildo? <laughs> Everybody knows what a dildo is when they have it in their hands. This is, I'm sorry. Yeah. General life skill. <laughs> All right, so we're just gonna keep it rolling. So there's gonna be a lot of crashing and banging as everyone, because basically we we take the the garage and we turn it into a studio. We're all sitting around, so we had to just spread everyone out. That was fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you love touching dildos, don't you? <laughs> I I knew you were gonna do the dildo thing because the moment I heard that cabinet open up, that dildo's coming out. <laughs> Every time, that's my association. <laughs> when that cabinet opens up, you gotta have a rubber dick in your hand. <laughs> Alright, excuse all the sounds, but that's Lucas. Oh my gosh, Lucas. That's cool though, we should get... uh... Alright, thank you for playing along, Yeah, totally. (laughs) I like how you called me out on the names. (laughs) You know why? Because I'm never that lucky. I'm never that lucky. I never get my name called the first first time ever. You knew, you would have known it was my bike if you got a handful of oil. (laughs) (laughs) oil If you got a thimble full of oil. Yeah, it would have been, yes. Exactly. That was cool. So, um, should we go to... You know what? Hey, Lucas. uh, Yes. Let's talk real quick about teaching Mary how to ride. So, last week... Mary. Wasn't it Mary? Micah. Oh, you took Micah down. Yeah. Who the hell's Mary? It's his wife, dude. I teach her to ride. A couple weeks ago, Jake took Mary, Mary. Mike's wife, down and taught her how to ride. And then last week, you went down with... Micah. Micah, a friend of Jake's. And Jake had said, hey, I want to teach my my friend, another teenager, how to ride. 
and I wanted to have an, an adult to supervise. So I an asked adult? Lucas. She to didn't go. say I wanted to have an you adult to supervise. Liza was like, "Lucas, you supervise." <laughs> it just worked out. Yeah. It so did. Um, it brought up the question. I wanted to see how it went teaching somebody how to ride, but it brought up the question: How many of you here have taken a newbie out just to teach him how to ride for the first time? I have. Yep. So Zach and nope. Mike, you've done that, and Lucas yeah. and Justin. All right. I've actually refused to. And not so. No, I, no, no. I've refused to just because I don't feel I'm qualified to do it. Yeah. Or was it because you don't feel qualified, or because you feel like they're gonna just fuck everything up? Uh, I think I'm a I I'm a I think I'm a lousy teacher in that respect, and I just feel like uh, I I don't want to be responsible for them dumping their shit or you know for breaking your bike. Yeah, that was the thing. Was, the wrong thing. That was the thing I was most worried bike. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll admit, and I, I've said this before. There was somebody who I taught how to ride that I found out years later got hit by a truck and died on her bike shit and it's not like i feel responsible that was years later yeah. but you do feel a bit like you some ownership to that person being on the road that you contributed to them you helped them to be you know to get on the road so man i just didn't want him to hit someone else's car that's all i cared about so so tell me how did it go is this the first time you've really taught somebody and yeah what I, what technique do you use well before I get into that, I will say that I consider it a success because he started from having literally zero knowledge of how to ride a motorcycle. And within an hour, he was able to putt around the parking lot, you know, w with no problems at all. You know, he could start, he could stop, uh, he could turn. So I, I think like for like an hour, an hour and a half, like he learned really well. So um, I think it's funny you call that a success because I have him doing that in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Could he drive a clutch when he showed up? No, no, he couldn't. That's that's a success then. Yeah, yeah. the thing yeah. about this kid was that like he was uh, he was really cautious, and so he was really slow to like adopt new techniques. But at least I didn't have to worry about him like fucking shit up or like speeding into the back of someone's car or something. So uh, there was that. But I, I the thing I started it off with to answer your question is. Uh, I just thought, well, what's the best way to get him to understand how to move a bike? And I just started, like, spent the first five minutes explaining to him how a clutch works, you know, saying, like, this is the thing that moves your bike. You know, it's the interaction between the engine and the transmission. Oh, that you're getting Bosley passed over to you. Help, 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 help. Thank you. <laughs> He's struggling. Right. Yeah. So I, I was, he, like, you know, he would stall a bike, and I told him why it stalled. I, you know, taught him about slipping the clutch, um, and I just explain you know you got two clutch plates one's coming from the engine one drives the wheels you just got to make sure they're both happy you know i said if you uh you know aren't moving anywhere and you let the clutch out oh, bike's cool. gonna stall you're actually teaching him the mechanics yeah. of how it's driving yeah, yeah. well that, cool. that's that's what i wish people taught me you <laughs> yeah, know and totally. i went to that's msf great. they didn't teach me that shit you know right, and, you just use the pull this is power and there's less power yeah and yeah like, but it's it's when you really visualize the two clutch plates slipping in your head it yeah. kind of gives you an idea you were teaching him <clears> a know? system yeah basically cool. and yeah. so i said you know if you let the clutch out without any gas you know, it just doesn't have enough force to start turning the wheels, and the wheels turn it, and then the engine stops, you know, from the inertia. So, I mean, it, granted, he, was, he wasn't he was too young. He was 17, so he kind of knew, like, what I was talking about, you know, the principles of inertia, and, you know, was able to visualize that sort of thing. You know, maybe if he was younger, it'd be harder, but... 
I just said, here's how your clutch works. And if you want to get this bike moving, like, here's how you do it. And I just started him out small. I said, just find the engage point. And I kept doing it until he got comfortable finding that. And I said, okay, now you're going to learn how to make the bike move. You're just going to let that clutch out like you did before, but you're just going to roll on the throttle really slightly until you finish letting it out. And, you know, he just kept practicing it a few times, but he was really careful, really cautious. And eventually he got the hang of it. No problem. So then I was teaching him, uh, you know, just ride around in the parking lot real slow. I didn't want to have to teach him about cornering or anything, so he kept going real slow. But um, taught him about braking. I was like, you know, you can accelerate, brake, and stuff like that. So he got comfortable um, once the clutch was out, you know, using the throttle and using the brakes and that sort of thing. So it was uh, it was pretty interesting, actually. So I, I'm going to tell you my method is I teach him how to stop before I teach him how to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm assuming you weren't doing things in actual order that you said. Uh, no. Because you said, go, turn, and then stop. No, no. So I know I'm going to say you probably didn't do that. <laughs> no, I'm going to say my method is I teach them the brake. <coughs> the brake is the most important thing, and you want them to subconsciously reach for that brake if there's any uh oh. No, no at all. I did. The I'm, I'm not saying you didn't do that. Yeah. I'm just telling you what my method is. I love the clutch. Is supposed that's to be. Yeah, it, that's what something. I did. Hold on. That's what I did. Hold on. I want them to know where that brake is and to instinctively reach for it because i see people if they do a whiskey throttle or something like that they don't go for the brake and it even when they pull the clutch in sometimes and that engine is revving it freaks them out so i need them to know this is the brake this will stop everything it doesn't matter what's going on and then i have them start slowly letting the clutch out just to get the bike to roll forward and just to walk it forward three feet and stop that's what i started out with yeah i'm not not saying you did i'm just explaining mine and then i use the I want you to learn how to do clutch in brake. Clutch in brake. I want yeah. that to be the first instinct you train your brain is clutch in brake. So that if you're having anything that you don't know what's happening and what's going on, clutch in brake. So so what else did you Well, use? I kind of did that backwards. I said uh, the first thing you need to learn how to use is the clutch. So since it was a thumper, it had a good amount of like low end torque. And so I just got him you know, adjusted to finding out where the gauge point is and I reiterated many times if you're not sure what's happening just hold in the clutch and he was going so slow you know he just coast to a stop anyway you know so i just said if you if you're not sure pull in the clutch you know it disconnects those two clutch plates the wheels are disconnected from the power and then you'll just be coasting and he he seemed pretty comfortable with that and at one point uh he was trying to take off but he gave it a little too much gas and he kind of popped the clutch a Mm -hmm. little bit and he just started lurching forward, and he instinctively reached for that clutch, mm. and that's what stopped him. And I, I told him, you know, I he much didn't rather the bike there, right? No, cool. he didn't. That's good. The, the thing cool. that I was most worried about was that mm. if I started with the brakes, he would instinctively mash the, the brakes, and that would send him down. Yeah. So I, I said, if you're gonna mash anything, just pull that clutch in. You know, and then steer away from anything. Yeah, and well, that's the thing. I wanted to get him comfortable with knowing where and when the power is coming, and then I taught him how to use the brake. Like you want to, I told him the most important thing with the brake is being progressive. So I said that when you want to come to a stop, pull on the clutch, and you can do that however hard you want. But remember, when you go on the brakes, start slow and just curl your fingers and pull it in. You know, I I was taught actually the exact opposite. Really. Um, the first thing that uh, actually Jim did is he taught me how to stall it. Okay. We stall it plenty anyway. <laughs> because you are so afraid of stalling it that the first thing you do is you remove the fear of them stalling it. You know, go idea. out there, stall it. 
stall it again, stall it again, and then do the then uh, look where you want to go. The 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 use of the controls, all that was secondary mm-hmm. to. First, don't be afraid of it, you know, because how many people have you seen that just are so afraid of that clutch that they end up stalling it the wrong time anyway? Yeah. Yeah. And then look where you want to go because you survive so many things simply by staring where you want to go just by not just refusing to crash. Mm -hmm. Right. That uh, as a new rider, it served me very well because the number of times when I had no idea what I was doing, I just looked for the out and prayed. Yeah. Uh, As an experienced rider, the number of times I have no idea what I'm doing and just look for the out and pray is pretty high. And that was the instinct. I didn't want to deal with the, uh, and I think Jim was absolutely right on that. You, you don't want to teach about stopping. You want to think teach about where you're going. Yeah. About mm-hmm. avoiding the, uh, and then when you get dirt riding and when you get to any sort of traffic, uh, the instinct to look for the exit as opposed to look for the clutch, mm-hmm. look for the brake. Mm-hmm. Don't slow down. Find your way out. Mm. See, it's interesting because none of us are trained at at teaching and yeah. speak for yourself. Some of us have never been trained. I have. I I never took a class. So that's why I wanted to see what people come up with on their own. I just did the same thing with my roommate, Rob. I took him out to the same place where I was riding mine, and I put him on my 650. And I did a lot of the same stuff that he did, but I did it like, like straight up from the basics. Like I had him walk the bike, lean it over to the left and the right, and like really feel the weight out. And then I had him duck walk it like... Yeah, totally. I tell people because yeah. people seem like as soon as they start to let the clutch out, they feel like they need they need to throw their feet up yeah. on the base. The, the biggest like, problem I had with it too was like I stalled my bike like at the worst places at a light, and I felt like a dick. You know what I mean? And yeah. So I said to him, I had him, I had him driving, and I had him like like the same thing where he'd like feel it, go a little bit, stop, pull the clutch in, you know, go a little bit, stop, and we did it for like twenty minutes, and then yeah. he stalled a few times, and I said, okay, no problem, just hit on the clutch, put it back in neutral, turn it on. And then um, I would get him up, you know, after a while, I'd have him riding first and second, and then pull the clutch in, drop down to neutral, and slow down. And then I had him doing, like, these um, ovals in this parking lot. So basically, I would have him stop, and every time he would stop, look both ways, put it, you know, make sure it was in first again, and then learn that takeoff, because that's another thing. That's like MSF a lot. They do the same kind of drill. Yeah, over and over and over again, because that was the other problem, was he couldn't, he was okay with, from from a straight start, going first to second. Like, mm-hmm. he got it. Even though if he read the RPMs, like, way high before he caught it, he still got it. But then it came to the stop, and then making a turn while at stopped in the first gear. Oh, turning as he's... Yeah, because yeah, now you're stopped. Because how many times going. you get to a stop sign, and you got to make right. a sharp turn, and you got to right. go. If you've been riding, you just you know that clutch point is, and you just kind of... You give it enough gas to keep you turning up, but not too much to make a wide turn. Yeah. Right. And right. you want to be able to feel that lean on it. So, I, you know, he was going around the turn, and I could hear the, the RPMs like, wow! <laughs> you know, and I, and I had to teach him how to use the clutch to keep it up, but also kind of play with the brake and the clutch around a slow turn, yeah. stop at the next one, look both ways, and then go again for a second, and then, you know, like that. And after two hours, he'd never ridden a bike before. He's riding around in circles like an asshole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, happy as shit. I was, I was really impressed. Um, I made him go back and forth. I said, you know, you're going to just go forward, you know, Practice getting it in a gear, speeding up, slow down, stop, turn around, and go the other way. 
Um, but he was, you know, like duck walking it every time he turned around. And I yeah. thought, well, why don't I teach him how to slip the clutch? Because he's, you know, he seems pretty cautious. So he actually responded you mean feather, to feather, really feather, like feather it. Yeah. Okay. Slipping it, feathering it, whatever. So instead of, I was like, you don't have to push the bike if you just leave the throttle where it is, just hold it at like one eighth of a throttle and then just play with that clutch and you'll feel it move. And he just kind of intuitively picked it up, you know? So yeah. Big- oh, Cause I think it helps that he understand that system that yeah. that's how you modulate. I, I was talking about like they're slipping. Yeah. They're only getting like 50% of the power, you know, when you're right. slipping it. And I said, just, if you panic, pull that thing in, you know, you can let it in or out as far as you want and it'll just move by itself. And yeah. he just kind of got the hang of that. Cool. Now, Mike, I know that um, Jake took Mary down to the parking lot yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and Mary has taken the class. Yeah, she got thrown out. <laughs> she got thrown out. <laughs> and Jake, Jake came back. Wait, oh. does, does Mary listen to this podcast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. She's, she's Jake said, I can... She thought we could totally talk shit about it. <laughs> Jake, Sorry, Mike, Jake no. said, <laughs> I, I can kind of see why they might have thrown her out. Oh. I believe it. <laughs> that bad. maybe Mary doesn't listen so much, as she's, Jake said, as she was trying to explain stuff. Mary was telling her reasons why it wasn't. It's like, no, just I don't bingo. want to hear from you. So, I want you to just bingo. hear from me. You better hope, you're going to yeah. sleep on the couch, dude. I know this one. You so know what, I mean? what you're I saying the is answer to that one. But what you're saying is that you weren't able to deliver the information in a method that she could understand it. Um. Well, it, or you're just saying she's stubborn. Well, you know, no, well, yeah, I was no. stubborn, like without taking like her personal inventory and keeping it really more to motorcycles because that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> is Mary's inability to listen? I believe that Mary had a preconceived notion, and it was hard to get her to change that notion. So yeah, she like like the thing about Mary is she's very stubborn, very thick headed, like and like, also very pretty. Yes, very pretty. <laughs> no, but I mean like so like that's that because I had to teach her how to drive cars. You know what I mean? Because she didn't drive till she was thirty, so she doesn't have like the mechanical like concepts yeah. as much as other people. But um. So I, I knew it going into the class with her that she might have issues because she's had these issues before with people where somebody knows something and they're telling her and, and uh, you know, she, she like, Mary, I have a saying with her, Mary doesn't believe anything I say, so before we get into an argument, I just pull it up on Google. Or she <laughs> believes Google. She doesn't believe me. It's, I'm dead serious. You guys laugh, but that's, that's how I win awesome. arguments. Yeah. Good to know. I had a, a good teacher for, uh, years ago who said there are three types of students, yeah. which is there's the ignorant, there's the arrogant, and there's the stupid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, the ignorant don't know, but you can teach them. The stupid don't want to know, but... And don't know and they don't want to know. And the arrogant, you have to prove them wrong. Yeah. And when I'm talking about that, when you have an, a student who, it depends on how much you're invested in actually succeeding. Are you getting paid to succeed? Yeah. I mean, that that's, I'm an arrogant student. So how did he teach me? He had me break it. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Proving that whatever preconceptions I had were wrong. Yeah. So when you're talking about how you're teaching somebody, and that's why I said you're just not conveying the information in a format that it can be received. You have to modulate your your teaching to how the student receives it. Unless you're in a big classroom environment, and then you can just say screw them. Right. It, it definitely. I mean, it varies person to person because I no matter what the situation is, no matter what the situation is, I <clears throat> more than anything like I like to take a humble approach to most things, especially if I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't. I don't want to seem worldly and all this and then come out like an asshole but that's not even my priority my priority is i want to know 
you yep. know, I don't know. Tell me what you know, because I just want to put it in my tool belt. Yeah. Not everyone's like that. You know what I mean? Some people might get embarrassed. Right. Or whatever, you know, that might be. So, Bagel, have you taught anyone how to ride on a scooter? Because that is a, it's going to be different. I know yes your Vespa, no. Vespas have a clutch. Yeah. But a lot of scooters don't. Right. Is it? Do you find it much more intuitive and people pick it up? faster they pick it up so fast they don't no. need to take their flip-flops off and put their boots on <laughs> no what's, what's <laughs> gear skirt. no i'm it, going to the beach <laughs> it, it like with anything it really depends on the person um i i've i've taught a, f- a very few people how to ride um one person w- i had taught on a manual shift scooter and uh did similar things to what you guys explained you know get a feel for the bike first um you know, no, get to learn the, the controls, try the, you know, using the brakes without the engine engine running, just, you know, push the bike and then stop it with the brakes, things like that. Um, and then, you know, learning where the clutch grabs, moving at very short distances, um, practicing starting and stopping, things like that. Um, you know, so it was, it was sort of a similar technique to what you, des- what you described. Do, do you guys feel that you can teach somebody one-on-one in a parking lot and they can come away with as much knowledge as they might get from an msf or do you think i think so i think so because uh, i i took that class also and i and i think that there's a limited time and they have a criteria they follow and if you don't if you don't get it or whatever they still move on because there's eight other people and i'm not saying don't take the msf i tell people too especially the lollipop well yeah well there there are benefits but but also, not everyone has a friend who's capable of teaching them. And so the MSF is good for that. It enables yep. a lot more people. Because it used to be you needed to kind of know somebody to get into it, you know? Mm-hmm. It depends on their peer group. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I remember my experience, and I remember feeling really comfortable on my bike. I could do, you know, really tight circles on it. I could, you know, fly down and change gears. And I would treat the parking lot like I was on the road. But the minute I went to drive, like two or three hours into it, and I'm so cool as a cucumber, as soon as I pulled out onto the main road, I'm all excited to get home. Like a car drove by, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had like this like overwhelming sense where I just wanted to like turn the bike off and have my buddy ride it home because I was like, "Uh, like the difficulty curve is pretty yeah. steep, man." And yeah. because I mean, I don't really think about that now anymore. But as a, as a new like a new person, it's like I, I feel like it's really important to understand the bike, like he's saying, the mechanics of it how to use it you know the certain little things and you then get a better idea of what you're doing if traffic you know driving. what you're doing you know what i mean yeah because you now you know how to use the bike but then yeah. you know how do you react right. to other people who don't but, know how to drive and but also, can i can i just say i think that's a, a very good and natural reaction to have because that that's yeah, it's illustrating so. that you have a, a healthy fear slash respect of the real world out there on the road um when you realize okay i'm not in the parking lot where there's nobody around i'm actually exactly. out in traffic where shit can happen not to mention you're not riding someone else's bike yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so and knock you said that you haven't wanted to have that responsibility yeah i just i'd feel like responsible uh if i fuck up somehow like if they say like if um uh, if you can't explain something you don't know the subject well enough I think that's true to a certain degree I feel like I'm a relatively competent motorcyclist except when I'm landing wheelies <laughs> but like I mean it's part of it is like I don't feel I don't want to be, feel like I'm responsible for you know teaching somebody the wrong thing inadvertently like if I were to try to teach somebody I would have to like outline a course for them that's I think is satisfactory to me and I have to run it by somebody who actually taught for a living I 
Man, you know, I mean, you're dealing with people's lives. That's, but that's me. You know, I think so. you're overthinking it. The first I thing think I, I feel am. Like you know what I? Know. What I told Michael was that I said I can tell you how to do this, but you're not going to learn how to do it until you start doing it. I said well, writing right. is like 95 percent experience. No, no. The, but, the whole so you aspect, can tell them whatever you want. Everything sure. else they figure out on their own. You know, you're not responsible Look, uh, for that. But teaching somebody to operate machinery is not a problem. My my thing was like if I'm going to teach somebody, I'm going to be able to try and mentor them a little bit. You know, because I just, that's just how I have to be a role model. (laughs) Well, you you know know what I mean? It's like, that's just how it is. Just don't take them on a group ride with you. When I was was learning, I had a, my first sergeant had a a gold wing, an 1800 gold wing. And I had an R65, which was, by the way, I learned on my bike. Yeah. (laughs) So there was a whole different level of care for it. But what he did is every day for a week or so, he he rode his bike in, well, more than for a couple of weeks, he would ride his bike into work. And then I would swing by his work, which was around the block from me. And he would ride, he would ride block for me from there to wherever we went after his work, which means like, you know, on the freeway, he'd pull out on the freeway and then slow down in front of the car and let me, let me figure it out. And then when we were done, we'd sit down and have a cup of coffee and he'd tell me about, you know, how I tried to kill myself today. <laughs> the difference is you're talking about experiential versus factual teaching. And yeah. when you, if you if you are a person who learns by understanding the facts, then understanding how the clutch work is important. If you're a person who learns by experience, it can be more risky, but I think you get as good or better results by providing an environment where they can do it, right? And that um, you can get people who are very kinesthetic that way can get wrapped around the axle yeah. on the, the the details of things as yeah. opposed to learning if you can provide something of a safe environment there's something about having a guy with a gold wing or even a great big bright bmw or whatever it is running block and keeping you keeping cars for between you know keeping between you and the cars and giving you that space when which is back to when you're talking about teaching that uh if it's one-on-one as a teacher you have to be listening to what they're what they're not hearing sure Sure. Right. And that's adapting to your student. Right. Bagel, you have one more point? Yeah. I just wanted to bring up one other uh, teaching experience that I did have that did not go so well. Uh, Okay. I want to hear this. Yeah. Um, I was teaching a friend to ride my uh, Vespa P200 way, way, way back in the day. I was a fairly recently new rider. So this has a clutch. This has a clutch. A front brake uh, and a purse hook. That's the three controls? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) And the handlebars and a rear brake on the floor. Okay. Um, And I was just kind of just starting out. He really wanted to ride it because he always wanted to ride a a bike of some kind, never had the chance. So he was all excited about it. And I was teaching him how to use the clutch. And we were sitting in my driveway. And I told him, you know, just just let it out a little bit, and you'll start to feel it, you know, pull the bike forward, and then just pull it back in, you know, just to kind of starting to get the feel for it. But he kept letting it out before he was giving it any gas, and it kept stalling. <coughs> Um, which and he kept doing it over and over and over again. He was kept stalling and stalling and stalling. And it wasn't that he was afraid of stalling; he was getting pissed off about stalling. Mm. And so, what did he do? He gunned it, started it up. Rev the throttle all the way up and dump the clutch. Oh shit! <laughs> now this bike has a rear backrest and a rear rack, so the bike launched forward. You mean a wheelie bar? <laughs> Basically, it's uh, turned, turned the turned the rear rack into a wheelie bar. Caught his butt on the on the uh, the, the, the 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 backrest. It's <laughs> pushing him across the street, wheeling all the way across the street. <laughs> Hits the curb on the other side with the rear tire. The whole bike and him he fly up in the air. He lands 
lands on the grass. The bike lands on top of his calf. <laughs> and he, wow. and he, luckily he did not break it, but he had a bruise. He probably still has a bruise in his calf where he, where he hit it to <laughs> this day. To this day. <laughs> that like sounds like my first experience, actually. He got a Bali tattoo. That's yeah. what. <laughs> Started gloriously, I'm ended not so much. I'm just picturing like so, Evil Knievel on a... Yeah, so 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 the lesson learned is if your if your student is getting frustrated, take a take a moment to let him let it down, let him wheelie. (laughs) Nice, (laughs) wheelie it out. Wheelie it out the lot, man. Just wheeling for safety. So, Knock, you had a subject you wanted to bring up today. Oh yeah, very very briefly. uh, Doug and I uh, I helped him change his tire on his DRZ. It was the first time I think he's ever changed a tire. Seventeens, anyways. Oh, by hand, you mean? By hand, using tire irons. Uh, <laughs> Fun time. Yeah. Know my pain. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I have a little homemade bead breaker that I built at home, oh. and we broke his beads. So, <laughs> <laughs> we broke the beads on the tire, and uh, we shooed the tire out, and uh, we put the new ones back in there. Did you not um, balance it? Uh, we balanced the front one, and we did not balance the rear one. The rear one was pretty fairly goodly balanced. What, what were you using to check balance? Uh, I have a balancer. Oh, have a static oh so you balancer. did it at like, your place or something? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but well, you what, didn't do that today. Yeah. <laughs> well, the trick was what we did was uh, we went and got this lube called RU Glide, and you could get it at Napa for like 10 bucks a jug. Is it what I'm got. thinking it it's is? It's lube. <laughs> <laughs> you got to lube the rubber. Yes, you do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, we lubed the tire up and. I've been using soap and water, and I've realized that was just the wrong thing to do it. Windex. Yes. Windex works, but the, the I've tried Windex, and I've tried WD-40, but for some reason, like, there's enough tension and friction on the rims and the tire that it'll actually push through or away the, 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 the fluid. <coughs> but with this RU yeah. Glide stuff, it actually kind of soaks into the tire a little bit, Why I do guess. they have to call it Glide? I because mean... it glides on there, and it like the thing just <laughs> slipped on there super easily. Because you, so, you want it to glide, otherwise you're going to tear your rubber. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to tear your rubber. <laughs> but yeah, um, the thing is a soapy like substance, and it, it's kind of like lotion almost. You put it on the tire, and when it dries, it's slightly tacky. So mm-hmm. it kind of holds the tire in place a little bit better, I guess. So he's not scared off by changing tires? No, now. he's not. Um, okay, well, cool. we've actually, we're kind of going to go in on a tire changer at this point, but like he actually did it, and he was super stoked about it, and we inflated it, and it was great, and it works great. And we, Dave Mason, did it too the other day. Oh, cool! So, yeah. so we should set up a tire changing shop at your garage. Well, I, I don't honestly, I don't give a shit. We should totally okay, do it as cool. long as you don't leave your dead ass tires in my garage. Actually, I have a tire changer. Yeah, he's got to a use tire one. changer too. So. I just don't have what? room here, and yeah. I already have a stack of people's used tires that I have to deal with. Right, that's yeah, it's the dead tires. That's got to go. Turn them into pots or burn them or something. Throw them at people. Something. Roll cool. them down a hill. Yeah. So, Lucas. <laughs> yes. We're for our last subject because we're yeah. about the hour mark now. You made a comment the other day Uh-oh. about how I make a lot of comments. Is that about black people? <laughs> oh, no, it's probably about black metal. <laughs> about how now that you are older. Oh yeah. You find that you're starting to slow down your writing a bit. Yeah. At the Bullshit. At the ripe no. age of 22 <laughs> on your Jixer, Seven. Yeah. you're finding that you're slowing down. So what's that about? I've just seen enough shit where I'm just like, I don't want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, I've only been writing for three years, but that's three years of watching other people make mistakes that I don't want to make. And then I'm like, you know, the only way to not be in that situation is just not do the same stupid shit that they did. Yep. You know, like I used to be a pretty fast street writer. 
and then you know i took a track day and i'm like man street writing ain't shit you know <laughs> so after that i was just like you know what's the point you know i can still go have fun but like i don't have anything to prove you know it's the, i got the testosterone you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right so and and I, I uh, like doing wheelies, and now I'm like, man, if I get caught doing a wheelie, like, a cop can just take my bike away and, like, send me to jail and shit. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want that, you know? It, Dip them. What? Dip them. Dip them. <laughs> then, 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 then instead of going to jail, you go to fuck me in the ass prison. How's that sound? I know. Josh, Josh is he, teaching classes he tried on to, dipping. He tried to run one ride I was on with him. No, I was not <laughs> running. I didn't know he was following me. I, dude, why do you think I would have stopped if he was called, running? That's called running. So <laughs> do, not, do you guys think that Lucas is just getting older and wiser and more mature now? Probably. I don't know. Uh, I hope so. I, Shit. I, I mean, think like, that going on the track probably helped because I got a friend in New York who rides. Ding, ding. Uh, it's exactly what I he, think it is. He, he's got three bikes, um, all 600. He's the one who told me, don't get anything over a 600 because what are you doing on the road that, you know what I mean, that you need like a 1,000? Sure. And he says, um, <coughs> and he's like, I don't even, I don't, I don't even have a, a license. He's like, I just throw my bikes on my trailer and bring them to the track and ride. He's like, I won't even ride on the road. Yeah. And he never does. See, I said because he when, when he comes out here, I said you can come and ride the bike because like, I don't have a license and I don't like to ride on the road. Well, I do like to ride on the street just because you know I want to ride every day. That's like my goal, and I pretty much do ride every day. But and there is nothing like as you zip through stop traffic yep. and realize that you're going to be making it there an hour before of everybody else. Best yep. is like yep. splitting right past the cop and then like. And you're like, yeah, I did it right in front of a cop because I can't, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to California, biatch. Yeah. What, what are they going to do? They can't chase you through all that traffic. Let's, yeah. let's see how you feel when summertime comes around. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, the thing, it's just been, I've been around so much shit, like, uh, Stumpy, man. You know, Stumpy, yeah, he, that he's is a the classic that example true. of how in the leg. even the best intentions, you know, can end up with disastrous consequences, right? So, you know, he wasn't even really being a hoon, and he yeah. ended up, you know, Losing part of his leg, right? And yeah. that's serious shit. And I'm this thinking, like, casually. yeah. And I'm like, man, if I'm riding casually and that can happen to me, if I'm riding like an asshole, that makes it like exponentially more likely. Yeah. <laughs> or even <laughs> wor- exponentially worse, too. Yeah. Are you an asshole paying attention? It, it doesn't matter. Attention. It doesn't matter if you're <laughs> exactly. paying attention. <laughs> yep. If they're not paying attention, you can still get just as fucked up. You know, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it, it's like the person who's right is the one who isn't dead or something like that. Uh, you're the you right. Know? or you're dead right yeah there you go so i think it's funny that um stumpy's accident it affected me by realizing i need to make myself more visible this is what i'm going to do to make change you say as an example it's making you think about the repercussions of writing and makes you slow down well yeah i mean like just be more careful i wasn't being careful enough i feel like i need to be more careful (laughs) Bagel, what you got? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you you never know what's going to happen. Because, yeah. like, one time I was going up SoCal San Jose Road, and a mountain lion ran across the road. No in front shit. Of me. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it, it could be a mountain lion. It could be a deer. It could be even a, a possum could run out. Well, not, they're going to be pin it. But... <laughs> But Do yeah. a wheelie and jump over it. <laughs> no, actually, that's the the, the, but, the the safe thing is to actually hit under power. But yep. yeah, depending depending on the situation, yeah. Depending so how big it's your too wheels big are. to safely hit it, man. Yeah, it's it's too big. wheels that ain't happening. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean it, it. It but the faster the faster you're going, the the long the fast the f- farther you're going to fly and harder you're going to hit something. Yeah. All right, so who here has been riding over ten years? Bagel. Yep, I have. 
Does, is that just bagel? Does nine? I? I got nine in a All South right, America. I'll let ride. you join the club. So, uh, so bagel and Justin, have you found that you have gotten slower over time or faster with the experience? Bagel's thinking hard. Hmm. My bikes have gotten faster. Okay. <laughs> Justin, how about you? I have become more cognizant of when I'm fast. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it too. Yeah. That's a when I when I'm going fast, I really well, realize wait, how it. fast I'm going. You know? This is and there's there's an important. My gear has gotten more expensive. Yes, uh, last time I got hit, it cost <laughs> it cost my insurance company two thousand dollars worth of gear. Wow, uh, no twenty five hundred because I had a helmet replaced too. Okay, so for all you but, dudes in here, well, yeah, the 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 difference is that. As I've gotten older, I've learned how to train my brain to be alert when I'm on the bike. Yeah. And to not have – I begin to understand what my own limitations are. Um, and a great example is if you get a chance to ride with Adrian up 9 to 35. Mm-hmm. Adrian is not going fast in his head. In his head, he's actually going pretty – he's taking a mellow road. If you were not a very experienced rider on that road, he checked out on you in corner number two. Right? That – the perception of whether or not you're going fast or not um, has a lot to do with how cognizant of you are of your abilities and the abilities of the road in which there's a knowledge base that changes that fast becomes relative, right? That yeah. And when you get uh, – how many miles do you have? Not not years, but miles. Oh, me? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Somewhere between like thirty and 50,000. Yeah. I've got like 155,000. Yeah, I'm I'm getting close to two, to, to two hundred thousand. I'm not sure. I haven't done the math recently, but so there are also uh, if you read a book called On Combat by Grossman, I forget his first name, the same guy who wrote. Oh, on it's, Killing. it's actually on. Oh, is it On Combat? On Killing and On Grossman, Combat. Yeah. On Combat talks about training your body. All right, and so for instance, you'll go through the MSF and they'll say it takes you three seconds to react, which for an unexperienced rider is correct. For an experienced rider, what happens is that you have a series of, of programmed reactions that you have over thousands of, reputa- of, of repetitions you've, you've drilled into yourself. And so you begin to take an act, and then the, the ODA loop, the organi- orient, observe, orient, decide, act loop, <clears throat> is an interrupt loop as opposed to an action loop. Right. So one of the things that happens is that at, at certain amounts of, of, of iterations, you begin to realize how that's, how that's working for you, and, and you're just getting into the programming stage of it. So, for instance, if you talk about Bagel's braking procedure, right, it is, I would lay very good odds that his hand is already moving forward before the brake before he's decided whether or not he's going to apply to it. Yeah. I'm also going to bet that you have more than once realized that you just avoided, a, avoided an obstacle and then observed the obstacle. Yep. Right? So, when we're talking about riding, this is a really, really there's a science behind it and there's a training behind it and what i really loved about on combat is also talked about your biorhythms and your brain back to the gear if you are wearing the same gear every time right and listening to the same music or the same type of music what happens is that as you gear up the ritual puts you into a certain headspace that is in theory where you should be when you're riding right which is why the guy getting on the, getting on the bike that one time going around the corner gets in the crash mm-hmm because what happened is he's, his, his brain wasn't in the same rhythm. It's a guy who puts on all his gear all the time, and this once he's riding up open the face helm, he's going around the block to see his, to see his girlfriend, and he fucking stacks it. Yeah. yeah. Always happens close to home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there's a brain, there, there's a mindset, there's, an, there's a, a, a programming mindset that you have to keep an eye on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think part of it, and this is what I was going to say for all you guys in here. So, Lucas 
is the youngest person in the room tonight. Am I? You are. Oh, wow. So at the ripe age of 22. Yeah. Now, they have said that teenagers have... The, uh, don't really develop um, judgment. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, what's it called? Decision making skill. Decision making skills yeah, because they ability. don't completely understand. Well, they don't have a fully developed frontal lobe. Yeah. Consequences. Yeah. The, yes, and I'm wondering if you are now because it's about your age that that's supposed that's supposed to yeah. kick in. I'm wondering if this is an example of you now being more aware of the consequences of the risks you take. Yeah, and if that coupled with going on the track because most people go on the track experiences too yeah. when you take away all the risks and and go on the track you go back on the road and you are now very aware of the risks yeah. you're taking well i like what justin said about mm. relative speed i mean i might i might even be riding the same speed but i feel like it's a lot faster you know a lot more dangerous you know as the speed increases i feel like i'm taking more of a risk than i was before and it's not because i feel less confident in my abilities it's because i guess i feel like i'm just more aware of everything that's going on and all the stuff that's playing into it that i didn't notice before and, and the potential consequences what yeah. it is i think that. i think is you've developed a different sense of context yeah, yeah. I, I think you're yep. growing up it's well, cute see, <laughs> here's, here's a perfect example like i was riding on the freeway and i was instinctively moving around you know in order to optimally place myself uh, around other cars in case like the car in front of me jammed on the brakes or someone cut me off or something and sure. I, w I was doing that without even thinking about it and it's sure. gotten to that point where it's just like you said you know it's the muscle memory where you get in that headspace and you're just like this is how I need to act this is how I need to protect myself and I guess it's just gotten to the point where I realize like there's some risks that are just way too unnecessary because I can't mitigate them there's also the you also uh, have a, a fear danger yeah. Which if you fear something, you pay attention to it, right? Yeah. So if you're operating, if, if you're afraid of something riding, you're starting to look at all these risks. Um, yeah. Not Janie. I think it was my, there's a, in the movie Faster, one of the guys talks about that after his number one competitor crashed and was paralyzed, he started seeing things. He started seeing that, that, that hay bale. He started yeah. seeing the things that he wasn't. They're talking a professional racer. Yeah. As you pay attention to things, you are more likely to hit them. Hmm. Target, that, target fixation, yeah, you mean? Yes, it's, yeah. it's target fixation. But remember that this, I mean, there's a big thing about your headspace going on here, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm not saying that slowing down is a bad thing. It's a very good thing. But also understand that what your your headspace is the most important, you know, your, your best safety device is between your ears. Yeah. What, one of the things that uh, MSF that they do teach is um, that when you're turning, like they'll, they'll constantly yell at you if you're not looking where you're going. Oh yeah, because yeah. that's the one turn thing that head, people do is like they, they go like this and they're only looking like a few feet in front of them or ten mm -hmm. feet in front of them. Television man, and they're like, if you're going that way, she's like, don't. She's like, I want to see your head completely turn that way and just let the bike go where it is because you're gonna go where you're gonna go. They Look for the exit. Same. Look for the exit. Yeah, they said if you're if you're looking at that tree as you're coming around the turn, you're gonna hit the tree. There's if a you, great video by an MSF instructor that she put on. She's a nurse and MSF instructor. As she watch, <laughs> watches one car in front of her in traffic, clip another, and you can see her whole body moving moving left, and her head's looking right. She's got a helmet cam on, yeah. and her bike tracks right into the car. Oh. Yeah, I've seen that. And, it's, yep. and when you watch it with a little bit of experience, you're like, she made the exact mistake that she had preached against a thousand yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that, that I've, a technique that I guess that I've developed over time is, is like you said, turn your head in the direction that you want to go. Um, but what I've, what I've trained myself to do is, is keep my head fixed in the direction that I'm, that I want to go, but my eyes will scan and watch for what's around 
but the fact that I keep my head in the direction that I'm going in, it sort of subconsciously, it keeps my intention focused on that's the direction that I want to go. So even though I'm looking around and there's, you know, a an object off to the right, there's a vehicle on the left, whatever, um, that I'm, I'm aware of the surroundings, but my the direction my head is pointed in it keeps me cognizant of, of which direction that I'm I'm going to continue. Moving. Do you listen to music? Uh, sometimes. <clears throat> so I have a mu- I have a writing playlist, and the writing playlist is played nowhere else on my on my uh, in my music. Hmm. When music just hmm. distracts you, no matter no. what you're listening so, to. No, it depends on. I found out uh, in my informal, non-peer-reviewed study, the more ADD you are, the more you listen to music. Hmm. I kind of feel that uh, way, but I never listen to musical. So, writing. well, I'm, so I'm getting home. I'm tired. I've got a buddy in the car, and I just need to stay awake. Well, because I've never gone to sleep with or doing anything but writing with that music, I, I've switched to my writing playlist. Hmm. What I noticed was the road changed. That when I'm driving, I'm looking at the car in front of me, I'm looking at my lane, and as soon as the music came on, like halfway through the first song, I'm not seeing the car in front of me anymore, I'm seeing the white lines and the, la- and the spaces between the cars. <laughs> it wasn't that my eyes changed, but that the, the, the program- perception changed. Right, yeah. the, the way yeah. that my brain interpreted the data changed to look for exits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm often people, I saw you when I was waving, I'm like, yeah, but I wasn't paying attention to you because I was looking for the exit. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, when you're talking about how you get, we were talking like, this is seeing you know as you develop your writing learning how your brain works yep that's the big part of it for sure that's like i said i actually have been through school to learn how to teach people cool <laughs> okay i didn't mean to hurt your feelings there <laughs> well you sure have a lot to justify justin <laughs> absolutely well cool i think we've uh, hit our end of the market it's amazing how fast these conversations just go yep um they flow. So, some upcoming things to mention. Next weekend is the Naked Ride. Ooh. Rock out with your cocktail. So, <laughs> <laughs> or hidden deeply inside a tank bag or a or tank. Stock don't, up on mental floss. And yeah. don't, don't forget to bring your dildo. Yeah. That will be uh, January 24th here in Santa Cruz. Uh, meeting here at the Recycle Garage at 7 p.m. The address here, Fort 13 Laurel Street, Santa Cruz right downtown so lucas can you tell people how to reach us i sure can liza they can (laughs) (laughs) you can find us on motorcyclesandmisfits.com that's our official website uh we also have our sound soundcloud page you can go look up a re-cycle garage uh we have an email that you can write us at at recycle motorcycle garage at gmail.com our facebook page is facebook.com slash recycle santa cruz all in word and of course uh what is our phone number is this our phone number for the voicemail that's on here uh no that number for the voicemail is 831 oh shoot Five, wait, eight three one something 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 five one one two. Give him Lucas. Go look at our last podcast. We got it. Yeah, eight three one two nine one five one one two. There it is. All right. And uh, thank you for the listener who gave us an intro today. Oh yeah. And yeah, uh, please call and uh, give us an intro. And I'm, we're still calling out. Uh, there I, some I people the, we called out before. You have not. I read the Google us. Translate to that call in. It was just completely wrong. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It's, work. it's almost like its own form of humor, though. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Awesome. So that's wrapping up. This is Liza. This is Zach. Zach. Josh. This is Lucas. Michael. Bagel. Justin and Buster. And we out. Cool, cool, cool. cool. cool.